Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Tell me of your dreams. Interpret cycling world. Actually, that's the wrong one. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good idea, though, David. It was. Yeah, hang on. No, we're coming in. Go, go, go again. This is a pod about cycling that never strays too far. It covers philosophy, history, and wildlife, and Ned's dreams, however bizarre. This early morning butterfly, this floating fact seminar, will surprise, bemuse, and inform, and include travel for those in the car. Good morning, Ned. Ciao, Davide. Where are you? Having checked on the internet, I'm in Medesimo, where the rock meets sky meets Jeffrey Bouchard of AG2R, who'll be hoping to win the Malia Azzurro atop this lofty peak on whose vertiginous flanks small retail outlets cling, whose pine-clad exteriors contain a bewildering array of brightly coloured ski wear and hand-carved trinkets to remind the casual visitor of the day they came to town to witness the congestion on all approach roads caused by the Giro d'Italia. Local bus services have been suspended. The weather will be what the weather will be. It's 6.39 and you're listening to The Morning Butterfly with me, Ned Bolting and David Miller. Here's Shade and Smooth Operator. Never Stray's Farfale Giro d'Italia Morning Show Special Podcast is brought to you by Chapter 3 and The Roadbook. That's a really catchy name, isn't it? The Never Stray's Farfale Giro d'Italia Morning Show Special Podcast. Anyway, Chapter 3 was created by you, David Miller, in 2015 with the vision of creating cycling clothing that you would wear as a retired racer. Now for 2021, Chapter 3 have made cycling kit to meet you wherever your ride takes you. They're calling it Most Days. It launches in only a couple of weeks' time. So make sure you sign up via the link in the show notes to get access before anyone else does. In 2018, Ned and a team of dedicated enthusiasts delivered the inaugural edition of the Roadbook Cycling Almanac, an annual publication supplying day, essays and anecdotes from the racing calendar. The Roadbook 2020 and past editions have become the definitive companion of any fan of the sport. To be the first to hear about limited pre-order runs for future products and exclusive promotions, sign up by the link in the show notes. Hello, Ned. Hello, David. Um, do you like Switzerland? Uh, uh, mm, See, so you're hesitating. Kind of, no, so kind of, and this is and this is not done with irony. I'm quite neutral about Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Um, you know, I, I was because it's not the sort of place that fills you with emotions i find although i say that my my wife loves switzerland because she she's kind of grown up there on and off um so family have always gone there and her grandfather lived there and her dad's got a place there and i spent some time with them skiing stuff and it's it's pretty amazing if you're kind of embedded in with swiss sort of style um they're pretty Mm. it's, it's a bit bizarre but it's pretty fascinating 
just how perfect it all is. I once, um, long time ago, uh, I once went to Phil Collins's house in Switzerland. Oh, awesome! In Lake Geneva. Yeah, it's very and, um, cool. Ended up watching a football match with him in his living room. I reckon Phil would be Phil Collins would be great to hang out with. He was pretty nice. Yeah, he was all right. Yeah. Did he play anything for you? Could you get Could you get him to do any music? No, but he got no. me a he he got me a couple of bottles of Beck's from the fridge. That's cool. It's a good story, that isn't it? It doesn't That's really a- go anywhere. The story beyond that, and then then we went home. We were doing some filming, but um, yeah, no. Switzerland. We, the the race goes through Switzerland today, and most of it is in Switzerland. And mm, it'd be interesting fast. to see, be interesting to see when it crosses from Italy into Switzerland, and for about eighty kilometres or something, it's in Switzerland, and then crosses back into Italy for the final to this town that we're in, the ski resort, Madazimo. Be interesting to see whether it, the Swiss, the optical Swiss racing phenomenon that I experience every time kicks in. Um, I expressed this online, actually, uh, during the Tour de Romandie this year. I tweeted that I find, I don't know what it is, I don't know why, but I find watching the Tour de Suisse on the telly and the Tour de Romandie on the telly quite unengaging experiences. And I, and I, I've been thinking, I still think about, I'm trying to figure out why it is that I can't remember ever watching a stage of a Swiss race and thinking, oh, this is just amazing. Mm, I think there's a reason for that, is that it's, um, bike racing is quite dependent on, on chaos, on, on just randomness, uh, which you'll get, especially in, <coughs> in Northern Europe, in the Netherlands and, and Belgium where everything's changing so quickly regards the roads. And whereas in Switzerland, everything's so uniform. I mean, that's what Switzerland is famous for. Mm-hmm. As a, the tarmac is pretty much consistent all day and it's mm-hmm. perfect. Um, the, the road furniture even seems to be well-planned. Often yep. there's at the side of the road, there's not much to crash into apart from beautiful meadows. <laughs> it's, it's like it's like dreamy bike racing where there's there's not much to wreak havoc because you do de- and the peloton depends on external forces often to 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 rip it to pieces um and there aren't many external forces in Switzerland apart from gradient that's my uh, theory you, you you've actually articulated it and it's really interesting that um from within the peloton from your experience of actually having raced you you kind of back that up mm. there's something slightly um that, that yeah it's beautifully put couldn't put it better myself it's too perfect isn't it you know you know when you go there it's also you know you're gonna you can take your best wheels best tires this is back in the day when you kind of would differentiate and you also knew it was going to be going to be faster it was just going to be that's it's it's quite strange because you often well you always had back in the day the choice between tour of switzerland and the criterium de dauphine as the final tour de france stage race kind of build up and and I mean, it's always goes through trends of, of Swiss and Dauphiné, but, but it does seem to be more and more that it's the Criterium de Dauphiné that the, the potential winners of the Tour de France choose. And I think because it's harder, because the roads are heavier, because it's more demanding physically and psychologically, whereas Switzerland is a little bit like being in Zwift. 
you're just kind of just <laughs> flying around this <laughs> mythical land and with nothing really nothing really yeah. happening so yeah. so yeah, yeah there you go that's really interesting unless you're Rui Costa of course he, oh, yeah, just, he was his, his race for years wasn't it the Rui Costa uh, Memorial yeah. Race they should just name it after him the Tour de Suisse yeah. yeah and also there's something I think the other the only other race territory the only other country that kind of does the same thing to me as Switzerland is actually um, the United States sometimes big wide roads big kind of Mount Baldy climb you know mm-hmm. in California and there's something about yellow road markings as well yeah, that yeah. doesn't it just doesn't look like bike racing somehow. No, it's very right. strange, isn't it? How cheesy! Because when when you want it, when mountain stages should ideally be at some point feature that moment where you come off a big main road and you kick off to the left, <laughs> and yeah. the road the road becomes all slightly broken up, and actually some of the villages you pass through are kind of slightly dank and terrifying looking. Mm. Um, and actually today's, today's finale does that. Ooh, yeah. The, the final approach to, um, to this ski station, uh, once again, even though I'm here, I have to just double check where I am again by looking it up. Madesimo. So the final climb up to Madesimo. Um, I must admit when I was kind of looking uh, during the rest day at, at, um, what we had left in the Giro and I saw this big mountain day, there's a lot of climbing to be done today. Um, but I saw this kind of, not necessarily that long and not necessarily that steep climb to this place that isn't, I don't think, steeped in Giro d'Italia history. I thought that's a bit curious for the, for the big finale on a, you know, on a Saturday afternoon of, of, of the mountain stages of the Giro. Why? I wonder why they, they've chosen this place. And it was only driving up here last night that I understood that it's going to be a spectacle. Is um, it? And the, and the weather is good, so the helicopters will be up. And I think it's just going to look, oh, oh, oh. oh really? Um, because it's, it, it, it is all those things. It's not particularly savage or steep, and it's not particularly long, but it's carved into the side of this mountain. And it's got a lot of those those tunnels that keep the snow, you know, that the water's yeah. running off all the time. And so the peloton will disappear temporarily and then come back out and it'll, yeah. And if the helicopter kind of flies alongside, which I hope it will, it's just going to look like, ooh, they're having a bike race on that, you know. Oh, wow. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of set up for TV, I think. I think oh, that's, that's what it is. super cool. Which, um, one, if I've read that right, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, a, it's an epic. The, those final 80Ks are just horrific. Especially the climb up to um, Paso San Bernardino. It's kind mm. of, that's proper going up. It's 16, I think 1600 meters of climbing. I mean, that's a, yep. that's a big old climb. Because normally when you're hitting the, that's two 2000 meter peaks, but they're starting from, from under, well, from 300 meters. Yep. So it's, um, quite, it's a, if, well, we can talk about who's the only rider now who could do something. It is actually a perfect setup day for doing something big at the, the Giro d'Italia. Well, did you see Simon Yates's interview? You probably didn't. No. After his stage victory yesterday and having taken a little bit of time in GC. Well, he kind of implied, he, he looked pretty pleased. I mean, it takes, you know, having ridden, I mean, the reason that, one of the reasons that Bike Exchange rode it down yesterday was to get a win, wasn't it? Because a win mm-hmm. is also part of the picture. You know, it kind of, if, if it does, if he does pull up short in GC of actually winning the race, which it seems he will, then he's banked a win, hasn't he? He's banked another yeah. stage win. And I think um, that, uh, there was a, a mixture of, you know, genuine 
delight and a little bit of relief. And in a way, it simplifies his task because I think he can race the final mountain stage uh, with a little bit more, a, a little bit more unencumbered and with a little bit more freedom now and a little bit more attacking spirit. Um, yeah. And just because he doesn't give anything away, does he, Simon Yates, really in interviews, famously. But there was something about the way he said, in reference to yesterday's stage, he said, do you know, it wasn't, wasn't really that hard. And something about the way that he described this stage that made me think, oh, he's actually focusing on this stage. It's all about this stage, really. <clears throat> that would maybe be I'm just, good. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm just, as he said, he's got the win around. now. He's, he's pretty much, it'd be pretty hard for him not to have finished on the podium. So he can go all in. I mean, you kind of, you could go, it's the sort of stage they can control for a, um, it's, it's not going to be overly hard to control today uh, at the beginning because it's got that kind of the, the flattish sort of gradual lakeside start, which means big riders can get in the move. And it's got a, not it's got a sprint, hasn't it? Oh no, that yeah, yeah. The Malia Chiclamino's done. Forget, forget it. It's been won, so mm. that, that's irrelevant. Yeah, sorry, okay. carry on. Yeah, because you got the first eighty k's are essentially pretty much flats. So there's no obstacles to so the move that you would expect to go will be pretty much of, of big riders and can be controlled by by bike exchange because that's the sort of terrain they can control is this kind of lakeside flat first 75 80 k's so if they wanted to they could keep it all together to keep the right race alive and then then set it up for the the really big climb um but again this is what we talked about yesterday it's just so hard to on a climb like that you need a very very strong team especially on stage 20 of the Giro d'Italia to control anything so again we can be very optimistic and, and hope for it, but the, the, the eggs really are all in Egan Bernal's basket. I think they are, um, but I think I think it's quite likely that we'll see a repeat of the cooperation between um, De Koenig Quickstep and and Bike Exchange that we saw yesterday. So yeah, made you know, us that, flying. That, yeah, that massively altered things for Bike Exchange because, as we pointed out, they are a little bit thin on resource, but they had a kind of willing ally in De Koenig Quickstep and Almeida's team. Because Almeida, you know, it's two second places in consecutive mountain stages and he's just knocking on the door of getting that win and he's still looking really good. So I think they'll ride mm. for him again tomorrow. And actually, David, there was a moment, I did I hesitate to ask, did you see any of the race yesterday or? I'm afraid I didn't, Ned. Well, there was a moment. I was setting up there, our studio. Oh yeah, you sent me a little thing. Yeah. Oh, was that you did? You, I suppose you have to do all of that, I don't do you? I all of that, yeah. I had to go, we put another hat on yesterday. So that's, you're talking about our commentary studio. Our commentary, all the, I've got set up two positions and all this TV so we, stuff. We, so we're sitting in a room <clears> together, but are we, this is in Girona where we're going to be commentating on the Dauphiné. Are we socially distanced? Um, we to, yeah, we have to be. Yeah, I guess so. Well, no. Yeah, we are kind of very, very socially distanced. In fact, like next door rooms basically just a bit but I, yeah just yeah the cables so it's just i set up the cables with the two boxes in between two rooms two wow. meeting rooms easy wow wow yeah. That's okay right. you legend yeah yeah um what was i saying oh uh, yeah there, there was a moment on the race that you didn't watch yesterday where uh de Koenig quick step uh ilio kaiser drilled it on a descent off the off the penultimate climb right Got on the front, boom, did that. And as they dropped down onto the long straight road along the banks of um, uh, Lake Maggiore, all those posh houses where the, all the footballers live and everything, just north of, north of Milan, um, <clears throat> there was a really strong wind 
coming off the lake and it split the bunch a bit. And you suddenly realize, oh, there's a helicopter picked out a shot. There's a little bit of a gap, 10 second gap. <gasps> there is, there's an Ineos rider or two, mm. the wrong side of the split. And you're kind of trying to figure out who it is. And then you realized that's Danny Martinez, mm. right? <clears throat> and um, this carried on and Martinez was, I think on his own or possibly with Puccio and they were riding really hard to try and get back in. And then you saw another Ineos jersey drop back across the gap and it was Ghana. And, and Ghana then did a massive turn on the front to bring Danny Martinez back. And in the end, I wonder what would have happened if that hadn't been the tactic because uh, Martinez did another fantastic ride for Egan Bernal did when Yates, Yates attacked on the final climb. Um, <sighs> Bernal looked after himself really well yesterday. I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of completely different race. As we, just as we said, he would actually, or, you know, they flipped their tactics and just let Yates go and in the knowledge that he had plenty of time. So he kind of measured his effort much better. But he did it on most of it on the wheel of Danny Martinez. Hmm. And I think it would have been a harder proposition for him had he just been on his own on the climb, surrounded by Caruso and Vlasov and Almeida and the rest of them, you know. Um, so it's really interesting that it's not often you see that, is it? That you have one super domestique sent back to go and rescue another I, super yeah, domestique, know. you know? That's, um, yeah, God. That's, and that's what we talk about, the strength of depth that Ineos Grenadiers have got. The fact that you've got a world champion time trialist who can drop back as a domestique to, to help a world-class climber get up to the leader of the race. You know, mm. it's, um, it's not just money helps. It's a good bunch of riders they've, they've <coughs> chosen and, and nurtured, you know, so it's a, <clears throat> but Egan Bernal, as you say, I mean, I think he is in the back foot at the moment, but if you've got a rider like Danny Martinez in a team, it's, it's a huge benefit right now. <clears throat> I mean, Danny Martinez still finished seventh on the stage. Uh, there were six on a 10th in the stage, wasn't he? He was with, um, We'll just have a look with uh, Daniel Martin. That's uh, sixth and seventh. Daniel Martin, that was a ride, considering he'd been in the break all the day before to finish yeah, sixth finished, on the stage. Dan Danny Martin, Martinez. Dan, yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan Martin <laughs> finished just ahead of Danny Martinez. <laughs> I quite like that. That's good. <laughs> it's really uh, weird the way explain this. I don't understand. I mean, I really like it. I really, really admire Danny Martinez, actually. And what a rider mm. he is. But So he does his turn for Bernal. And every time he's done it, he rides on. Like yeah. he, he's still in the GC race. Or maybe just what he wants to be in the GC race. And it's, so yeah, because he's... But it's so cool. But also cool. slightly nuts because he's I just, guess that, you know. I guess at that point in the race, oh, no. Are they, what's team classification? Oh, mate, don't ask me that. Hang on, uh, I'm just going to look now. He's still seventh on GC, now? Danny Martinez. Hang on, I'll look. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. Ineos don't ride for the team classification, no. do they? Or unless it's like there to be taken. But yeah, it might. It might be actually. It might be that they're now in the lead. Oh my god! How many classifications are there? Yeah, they're in the There's, lead by two minutes twenty. So yeah, he has to. So they're yeah. leading team classification by two minutes twenty from DSM. DSM. <clears throat> yeah. DSM were on the podium yesterday for the super. T How are DSM in second place in the team classification? Ah, uh, it's a mystery. I have no idea. How have they done that? Some breakaways. I, they must have had a lot of riders, two riders in lots of breakaways. That's just madness. Jumbo Visma third at 26 minutes. That's madness. Yeah, so there you go. So Danny Martz, they're just, just going to sweep that up for the sake of it. So it's just going to go hard, keep going for the five minutes after, at the end of the day. And then they're all on the podium in Milan. And they're all on the podium in Milan. Yeah. Dancing. So, so that's, I'm kicking myself now. It's, it's that old baffler, isn't it? I should have known, yeah. David. It's the baffler. <sighs> The baffler teams always baffle, especially in the third week. 
I mean, you've had no idea that's DSM. If you're going to list who are the top three in teams... No way. No way. No way. No way. Not hope. Yeah, okay. But I'm I'm just unused to seeing Ineos involved in that baffler competition because it's normally almost exclusively the domain of Astana and Movistar, isn't it? Mm. Doing baffling stuff. But, uh, okay, team classification. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, Um, good. Yeah, Yeah. so see when Yates. That's going to be good today. What else? uh, Anything else dramatic happened in the stage? What, yesterday? No, Mm. not really. I think Almeida probably attacked a bit early, a bit too soon. Just 67 Ks to go, Almeida attacked. What? That's bonkers. What? It was no, Almeida who kicked off the hostilities. It was just under 67 kilometers to go. No, six, team no, six, 6.7, David. Oh, well, that's a typo in the report. I was going to say, that's, I was gonna say, I was gonna say that's, a, that's a bit more than a little bit of a long way out. <laughs> <laughs> that seems crazy. Yeah, I'm, feeling good, I'm feeling good. I want to go. Uh, oh, well. No, six, 6.7. That's still a long way out. I mean, it doesn't seem that far after I thought he'd done it 67. 6.7 seems really good. I just think he, I think he overbacked himself a little bit. Um, Uh, So if he does attack today, I think he might leave it a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. There was a moment on this. I've described this final climb to you. I think I've, hopefully I've given you some sort of mental picture of what it looks like. But as we were driving up here and it's almost dark by the time we got here last night, um, it's about f- f- four hour transfer last night, by the way. Oh, uh, oh yeah. And, oh, what is it? Stage nine, stage 19 transfer, wasn't it, David? I was yes. driving, I was driving. And for the first time in the Giro, it's just me and Matt Stevens in the car. For the first time in the Giro, I did that thing that you do on every Grand Tour once. I, I misread the sat-nav and took the wrong oh, slip, no. uh, the wrong slip road. You know, Italian junctions are, crazy anyway because yeah you, they, they just like go afterthought yeah, yeah you kind of do this spaghetti thing just to get on the wrong you know anyway mm-hmm. and they're an afterthought and i yeah i, I took the wrong slip and ended up going don't going down the motorway in the wrong direction <sighs> like Didn't. and then you're everyone's just staring at the sat nav as it's adding time mm. and you, you in the knowledge that every kilometer you go in the wrong direction you're gonna have to double up and come back so it's like double time loss, double time penalty, isn't it? How is Matt about it, it? Yeah, well, you... It's quiet. Don't you just go quiet. Everyone just goes kills, quiet. Just, just kills the atmosphere. But we do do it every time, don't we, once? Yeah, Every yeah, Grand Tour. Normally pretty early, not stage 19. That's it. Did, um, well, I bet I did you thought you guys had broken free. Do you remember I did it in Yorkshire with Phil Dignan in the car? Yeah, yeah, I think he did. That was I think a Gary did it at the bad. tour, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Couple of anyway, times. Um, when we got onto the climb, there was, uh, there was, yeah, we ground tour came around this sort of like corner of a mountain and then into these one, into, close to one of these little tunnel bits, we suddenly saw that everyone had stopped in front of us and uh, people were switching off the engines, getting out of cars. And we went, oh no, we were three kilometers from the hotel as well, from the finish. Mm. And we noticed that a truck coming down the other way had suddenly realized when it was approaching the tunnel that it would never get through. Oh no. And and so but cars were backing up behind it and everything. And then there was this giant game of motorized vehicle Jenga that, you mm. know, kind of had to get executed on this mountain. And then we had to nerdle our way past. And that was just like, oh, you're nearly there. And then that happens. It was just one of those, one of those things. How did I get onto I, that from Almeida attacking too early? Is that why you, you referenced wanted to talk about Joshua Carducci, him to Satan? Oh was yeah. Was that your soundtrack in well, the car? 
no, but um, no, 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 <laughs> no. I don't think any recordings exist of him. He's um, Italy's first ever uh, poet, um, Nobel Prize winning poet. Really? Yeah. Um, Josue Caducci, the Tuscan poet, um, who I've just been reading about, actually, David, because the main street in, uh, I'm going to have to look it up again. Where am I? Uh, Hang on, I'll tell you. More. Madesimo. Madesimo, yeah. Just have that handy so that if I forget it again, you can just chip in. Madesimo. The main street in Madesimo is named after Carducci. So I thought, that's interesting. I wonder who Carducci was. I often do that, actually. Mm. If I'm, you know, because it's, normally it's Garibaldi or someone, or it's, you know, Giuseppe Verdi, and it's kind of fairly straightforward. But Carducci was kind of intriguing. And I found out that um, uh, Josue Carducci was a 19th century poet, a Tuscan poet. And he was kind of the official or semi-official national poet of the new Italian state, basically, which, as we know, the kingdom, you know, the unified kingdom, we're celebrating its 160th anniversary in 1861. That's when it came about. And um, it was really interesting because he was um, atheist and uh, quite rebellious. He believed in, he was a kind of um, a liberal in the sense that he was one of the, the great, thinkers behind the modernizing impulse in Italy and unifying the country and all this sort of thing. Um, but his atheism found itself, which is quite a kind of punchy thing to be in Catholic Italy, isn't it? Very in punchy, century, especially in the 19th century. Yeah. I mean, now his atheism be- expressed itself in really interesting ways. And one of his most famous poems is called Hymn to Satan, uh, which uh, it was. It would still be recited. He was a professor at the University of Bologna most of his life. Be recited as a kind of extended toast at the end of a dinner. Um, he's like toasting Satan, but it's not like he's a devil worshipper or anything. It's just that Satan, in the kind of in nineteenth century left wing thinking, stood to represent uh, rather than standing to represent evil. Lucifer represented. Um, the free spirits, actually, and rebellious thinking and unorthodox. So con- contrarianism, basically. Um, and so, and so I've just been reading him to Satan. It's quite long, so I won't, I won't, I won't read it all out, but I'll just give you a flavor of it. Um, it finishes, hail, O Satan, O rebellion, O you avenging force of human reason. Let holy incense and prayers rise to you. Um, and, uh, was another bit that I quite liked. Um, pre, pre, uh, I guess a bit technical there. Um, <laughs> just There's a lot of references that I don't understand. Uh, but here we go, here we go, here we go. Um, <clears throat> he shines in the bright blood of grapes by which transient joy... There's a lot about wine and Satan being kind of related. Um, mm. but you breathe, you breathe, O oh Satan, in my verses from where... Uh, f- when from my heart explodes a challenge to the god of wicked pontiffs, bloody kings, and like lightning, you shock men's minds. I'm quite, I'm quite down quite, with this guy. Actually, sounds pretty good. Carducci, yeah, yeah. He's, he's certainly an outlier. Slightly disappointed to read in his Wikipedia page that um, he was towards the end of his life, and he died in his early seventies. In the, in the you know in the twentieth century, because his Nobel Prize came in nineteen o six, 
I'm slightly disappointed that he's kind of reined in his atheism just a little bit. Nah, as he approached just got close the end. to the end. Just got a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cover, now, let's cover that all thing bases. I said, it, covering a few bases, that thing I said about God and Satan, I've had a little think. <laughs> and I was a bit disappointed to read that he actually was pardoned by the Catholic Church. Well, that's the beauty in, of Catholicism, yeah. isn't it? You can just, you can just call it out right at the end and be. Yeah. And we're back in. Actually, I think it's fairly straightforward, isn't it? You just you just have to wander in and sit down in one of those boxes, don't you? Or you can actually do it. There's deathbed. probably more to it than that, but you have to. Yeah, you just have to. Is that what the whole Brideshead Revisited is about? We've talked about this before, haven't we? Have we? I think so. Brideshead Revisited is basically. Um, is it even more? Oh. Yeah, yeah. It was actually. It was almost a. A kind of a semi-autobiographical tale of his battle with Catholicism and his confusion with it, in the sense that he paints this paints this brilliant picture, obviously in the characters and the the epoch. Um, but actually, much of it is to do with his his kind of conflict with Catholicism, and a lot of the characters in that book kind of have the same torments, and it sort of it concludes in very much where there are. I think it's the the patriarch of the family sort of giving into it on his deathbed. And yeah, it's really interesting. That's what I took from it primarily anyway. You're too young. Do you, you're, you're, cause I watched you're, it. I love it. Did you? I watched the whole box set for years that. ago. You, no, but I watched it on a DVD box set years later in Hong Kong. Did you? Yeah. I thought it was Ger- great. Did you identify with the Jeremy Irons character a little bit? I did. Yeah. A little bit. I thought you <laughs> probably would have done. <laughs> what, what about the, um, oh, what was the name of the, S- Sebastian the Flight. Sebastian, Sebastian Flight. Flight. It was Teddy Bear. It was so yeah. like, oh man. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I can remember the theme tune. But I'm um, talking of poetry. must thank our listeners because we've been blown away. Actually, that is background music. That's perfect. Um, by the reviews we've had, um, and we've had dozens and dozens, hundreds even, uh, many of them haiku based or, or actual poetry. And that's how we started today's podcast with, uh-huh. was actually with one of the, one of the reviews that was uh, written in, in, as a poem. And uh, there are many more like that in uh, haikus and it's great. And unfortunately, there wasn't a real name for it. Um, it's a pseudonym, so I can't thank the the writer of it, but I'm sure you know who you are. Um, uh, just tweeters. But yeah, thank you, everybody. The reviews are great, and it does it does support the podcast by, because by having so many reviews, it helps our ranking, as far as I know, and will allow us to to persuade our our sponsors to 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 support us more. Melinda apples. Melinda apples. Yeah. Good times. Uh, yeah, that's about it, Ned. Anything else? <clears throat> oh, I'm going to read a couple of the haikus, right? Good. Yeah. Ned's very strange dreams. Egan is splendid in pink. David's not watching. Mary Jen wrote that one. Tell me of your dreams. Interpret the cycling and the world softly spoken and always there. Oh, I like that. That's, That's good. beautiful. There's another one. There's another one here. Oh, no, it's the same one. Oh, someone's ref- someone's put the same one on twice. That's good. Nothing wrong oh, with no. that. Okay, there's another verse. It's not really a haiku then, is it? It's more of a poem. There's another verse. <laughs> Never straying far from cycling, always 
staying onto topics that will amaze an ever-present great friend. That's very nice. That's um, very good. Another one, review haiku. Uh, oh, no, it's the same. Oh, no, here you go. Oh, here's a limerick. Mm. A lepidopterist named Ned has tea after rising from bed, then a ride or a jog, whilst avoiding any dog. So Dave, so that Dave can examine his head. That's what, yeah. Do you know what? You know, since you cured me the other day. Yeah. I've not had any dreams. Seriously. I've not had, I've stopped dreaming. My God, maybe there's something in this. It's incredible. I mean, seriously, you've you've got a gift. Use it wisely. <laughs> I'll just sit here. We'll just have to keep doing this until they pop up again. We'll have to just have the Dreamcast just ready to go. I had loads of dreams last night, but I can't remember any of them. One of them yeah. was a bike race for sure. But I wasn't actually. I think I've infected time. you with kind of obvious it's trans- dreams. Like transference. It's like I've absorbed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. You've da- that's it. That's it. You've taken on my trauma and you've kind of, you're living yeah. with it and you're kind that's of coping. Thank you. Add-ons to my traumas, my list of traumas. It's right. like a chicken pox party, except <laughs> I'm doing it with deep set trauma and imposter syndrome. Uh, all right, Ned, what's more is no, the last day? No, 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 I've got another one. I've got another one. Oh, I've got oh, another, got another, another one. poem. This is, I wished to hear more about cycling, thought Miller and Bolting would do. They may not be the cycling podcast, but Dave's done a Giro or two. <laughs> Consuming with breakfast each morning the wisdom of David and Ned, suddenly, without any warning, we were all inside Ned Bolting's head. On the platter of nibbles they've served us, cycling is but a crust of fine bread. I came to hear of Il Giro, but stayed for the whimsy instead. That's, oh, very, that's good. very good. Actually, I just found one which is actually very useful. It's, it, it, um, it allows one of our floating facts to be anchored. Um, the Guelphs and Ghibellines. Can you remember that from the people who fought over the, the Battle of the Buckets, wasn't it? <laughs> it was the it was the war between Modena and Bologna, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. So, anyway, somebody Richard um, has put us out of our misery, and he says to put you out of your misery, there were these were political factions in Italy in the Middle Ages, one backed the Pope, and the other the German Holy Roman Emperor. I said the that. dispute was over over who had supreme. I didn't listen. Okay, let's just give Richard a like. There was too much information going on. And let's be, sometimes the floating facts you can't let sink in. Uh, that's true. Just in case. But there you go. Just that'll help everyone. Because it might be some other people that weren't listening properly either. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, it's our last I, day tomorrow, no, no, by the no, way. Yeah, I've, I'm, you can not, keep no, going. I'm not done okay, yet. Okay. Well, I'm just not going to say anything. You tell me when you finish. Dreaming of cycling. The butterfly wakes early. Remco won't win now. I like that. Dan, the wind blew strong. Has Yates snapped fragile rose? Remco, where are you? <laughs> oh, these are just cruel. These are great. These are proper haikus. <laughs> and then finally, haikus. finally, these are all on the iTunes re- review thing. It's absolutely amazing. The finally, this one from Dr. Tennant. Meanders fulfill pedals, insightful laughter. Two friends speak here. Here. There we go. There we go. All right, our record-breaking... Um morning show has its butterfly. final show tomorrow butterfly tomorrow yeah and then i don't think i'll ever be able to not wake up at six o'clock in the morning I ever know, again i think it's just I'm bro- it's broken a month of waking up at six um, i'm <laughs> changed forever everything has changed changed utterly <laughs> a terrible beauty is born 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 